1: Presented by the Eden Pure Thunderstorm and Omaha Steaks. Now, here are Tom and
2: Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler.
3: And I'm Leslie Segretti.
2: Happy, happy holidays. Hope you are enjoying this magical time of the year. We are here to help you, once again, take on projects that you would like to get done in your house. So our gift to you is tips and advice (laughs) and ideas to help you avoid the perspiration, give you some inspiration on the projects you want to get done at this point for 2023. Help yourself first. Reach out to us with your questions. The number heres is is Pit. That's 888-666-3974, or post your questions at moneypit.com. Coming up on today's show, you know, it occurs to us that every January we promise ourselves to start following good habits, but those often will fizzle, those resolutions, if you will, will fizzle just a few weeks into the new year or faster. But what if there was a link between self-improvement and home improvement? I know what you guys are thinking. Ah, you're on to something now. <laughs> Whether it's losing weight, getting organized, or making more money, your house can actually help you keep these new year resolutions. We're going to tell you how to do just that.
3: And if you're renting a home or apartment in the new year, did you know that your possessions may not be covered by the building's insurance? Now, contents insurance is designed just for renters, and it can help. And guess what? It's not expensive. So we're going to tell you what you should get.
2: And you got a door that sticks. That is an annoying problem that really doesn't have to be. We'll have some tips on how to make it go away once and for all.
3: And what do you want to do in this new year, guys? It's 2023. Let's think about some amazing projects to work on on the house. Maybe they're big ones. Maybe they're small ones. Maybe you just want to redecorate. Whatever it is, we can help you guys tackle those to-dos with confidence and have truly a kick-butt home in the new year. So let us help.
2: We want to help you create your best home ever. So if you've got a question about a bathroom, a basement, you want to demolish or decorate, we're your coach, we're your counselor. We're definitely your cheerleaders for house projects, big and small. Uh, and sometimes we can be your therapist, too. <laughs> but whatever you need. <laughs> give us a call. The number here, one 888 pit, or better yet, post your questions on moneypit.com by clicking the blue microphone button. Let's get to it. Leslie, who's first?
3: Nancy from Illinois is on the line with a question about a soffit. How can we help you today? Actually, I
0: inherited a house that, from a, a relative that was built in 1960, so it has soffits above the cabinets. I still have the original kitchen. I mean, everything, the floor, the counters, the appliances, you know, I know that in all the newer construction, they're using uh, either cabinets that go from all the way to the ceiling or they have a, a, a sh- an empty space up there where people can display things. I have a lot of dust allergies, and I'm also a senior citizen. And so I don't think I want that empty space up there that's going to collect dust. I don't want to have to be dealing with dusting that all the time and climbing up on a ladder. Okay. So I'm trying to figure out, Yeah. do you think soffits will ever come back or is the answer <laughs> just to have cabinets that go all the way to the ceiling knowing that um, I'm probably never going to use those top shelves?
2: Well, actually, there is a way for you to use those top shelves because um, there are ways that you can bring those shelves down to stack things on them and put them back up. There's cabinet designs where the entire shelf contents pulls out and drops down. It sort of hinges down and then it goes back up. Uh, they're accessible design options that are made by a bunch of different manufacturers, so it is possible to even have high cabinets and be able to use that that space if that's uh, a need for you.
0: I've got two torn rotor cuts, both shoulders, so I'm not even supposed to be reaching up high, so I don't know how difficult it is to get those shelves you know, to drop down.
2: Usually there's a, a handle that's sort of like shoulder height where you reach out right in front of you and pull it towards you, and then that whole thing drops down from there. It's all on springs, so oh. it supports itself. Called Reva Shelf, R-E-V-A Shelf. And their system is simply called a cabinet pull down shelving system. So, so that type of system is available. The cabinet is basically completely empty and then the shelving system is put in. And then again, you reach out, you pull it towards you and it drops down. And these things are strong enough where you could have like canned goods on every single shelf and it's still going to hold it. So that's an option for you. The other thing is, I, I think the dated part of the soffits, Leslie, and you correct me because you're the decorator here. Okay. Is where the soffit extends past the kitchen cabinet, but you could sort of have a flush soffit that sort of is flush with the with the front of the kitchen cabinet that wouldn't give you that sort of ugly overhang, right? Mine is is flush. Okay, What's well the then maybe you ought to think about just keeping it the way it is and painting it um, to sort of blend.
3: I mean, I like having the soffit because then it just fills that space. So then you're not thinking about putting stuff up there, right? <laughs> it's like, which then be, mm-hmm. you know, then it's just a dust collector. So if you're right. going to get rid of the soffit, you really need to think about, like, what is the purpose of that space above it? Am I just extending the cabinet higher? Am I, you know, putting in some glass, something that makes it purposeful? But I'm telling you, with these cabinet pull downs that Tom has mentioned, they operate smoothly. They really are helpful. I mean, any person can have one regardless of abilities. So it really will make your life so much easier.
0: And is it spelled R-E-V as in Victor or R-E-V yes. as in boy? No, nope.
2: R-E-V v? as in Victor, rev a shelf.
0: Like rev your engine.
2: Like revolving shelf, like that
0: kind of thing. Okay. Well, that's, that's going to be exciting for me to check out. Um, my other um, question that I was going to be asking was, you know, as a, an aging senior, that have some macular degeneration that um, is a slow-developing kind, but still I know what's coming because relatives have had this and lost vision. Would you recommend um, contacting an architect, or uh, is there a certain type of contractor that would be good to help me design
2: um, this new kitchen. So, to design your kitchen, you might want to use the services of a certified kitchen and bath designer. That's a designation that is sought through the National Kitchen and Bath Association. The guys that have the certified kitchen and bath design designation are very, very competent at designing kitchens and bathrooms that meet those specific needs that you mentioned. Well, I appreciate all this good
3: advice. Thank you
2: so right, much. Good luck with your project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit.
3: Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right.
2: And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than a 100 times higher. Plus, every spring, we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold.
3: Now we're heading to Tennessee where Bruce is on the line with a question about a driveway. What's going on at your money pit?
1: Hey, guys. I've got a driveway that's kind of, it's not cracking, but it's kind of crumbling into like small pebbles and pieces. I have heard from a buddy of mine that used to do some summer work that you can take that blacktop and put a little bit of, um, I guess, sand in it and mix it up into a putty and maybe save it for a couple of years. What have
2: you guys heard? So I think that that would work as kind of a temporary patch, but I wouldn't expect it. And certainly
3: not for the whole surface, like to just yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, that's the kind of thing where, like, if you're resurfacing the driveway and you and you've all of a sudden find that maybe there's a little hole that you mixed that you missed, you could take some of that sealant, mix it with some sand, stick it into that hole, and kind of call it a day. But if you want to have, if you want to do this to the entire surface, you need to use the products that are designed for that because they're designed to adhere properly to the surfaces that are below. And I think just trying to sort of uh, make this from scratch doesn't make a lot of sense.
1: Okay, what would you suggest?
2: So there's a lot of good quality latex products that are out today, and what you want to do is start with the patching compounds, clean the driveway really well use the patching compounds next, fill in those cracks, fill in those holes. If you have a really deep one, then there's essentially like an aggregate that you pack in first, then you seal the surface. And then once those dry, then you go ahead and put your top coat on and kind of broom your way out. You want to buy one of those driveway squeegees, which is kind of like the size of a push broom, but it has a squeegee on it. And just very carefully start as close to the house as possible, then bring yourself out to the street and do it at a time where the weather's decent and when you can try to keep cars off it for two or three days at least because the longer you let it sit, the better it is.
1: You suggest a certain temperature?
2: Well, the temperature range is going to be dictated by the manufacturer, but as long as it's not freezing and as long as it's not you know 100 degrees out, you're probably okay. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit.
3: Sharon and Georgia, you've got the money pit. What can we do for you today? I have two Corian sinks in my bathroom. And
4: the water is turning them, they were white, and the water is turning them, like, yellow. And my husband heard that you could use the fine sandpaper and sandpaper around the the drain where it's really the worst. And... That doesn't seem to work. His is now gray around his strain, and mine he didn't touch. Okay. So have you got any solutions?
3: I mean, I would try first, like, a couple of different, like, softer cleansers just to see if that does anything. I know Bonami seems to be a good one for a surface like that. And then I've after tried that, all of them. You've tried, I've all, tried of all of them. them?
4: Yeah, and I even tried the little green... You know, scrubby thing that they
2: told me to use. You know, have you ever like with Benami or Barkeeper's Friend? I think it's the other one. Uh, when I have a, a Corian sink, and I find that what we do is we put a lot of it on there and just sort of almost make like a paste and let it sit on the surface for a while, and then okay. we come and ba- we come back, you know, in fifteen twenty minutes later, and then start rinsing it off. But it has sort of a bleaching effect when you let it sit there. It's not just to rub okay. it and rinse it away, but let it sit on the stains for a while. What you're describing is not that unusual. Unfortunately, Corian does absorb stains. It's not as, uh, stain resistant as we'd like. It, it can be abraded, but that's not really going to change anything because it's not, the stain is not on the top. It's kind of soaked in. So you really need to kind of clean it. And that's why those products work well for that. Okay. I'll
4: try that. Um, you know, making the paste and and putting it on there and leaving it on there for a little
2: bit. Just sprinkle it out and just and then you know get it a little bit wet until it gets kind of like pasty, and then just let it sit for that. I, I I like I make it kind of pasty and I'll do a first sort of a uh, first scrub while it's real thick like that. Then I just walk away for a while, and then later on I go back and, and finish it off, and that works well for me. All right. Well, I'll try that. Thank you so much. All right. Good luck. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit.
3: Well, making upgrades to your money pit can actually help you meet your goals for health, wealth, and happiness this year. With a few simple changes, you can expand your space, save money, and make your home a healthier, better living environment, and yes, actually accomplish some of those New Year's resolutions in the process. So here's where you begin.
2: So the first resolution is this, save money. It's a common New Year's resolution. It's often accompanied by vows to cut back on the daily lattes and make dinner and a movie nights the rarest of occasions. But a few changes or smart choices around your house can actually help you hold on to more of those dollars and cents without making any sacrifices. For example, the average deck addition costs about $19,000, but you'll see a return on that investment of 65%. Plus, if you fix up a tired bathroom, that gives you an impressive return if the house is sold within a year from the time the work is completed. And even smaller projects like replacing your garage door at an average cost of about four grand, well, that can score a 98% return on investment when it comes time to sell.
3: Now, how about this? Losing weight. I feel like that's everybody's top three. Now, it's definitely comes up every year. You're going to get a new gym membership, and you're going to get a diet plan, and then you're going to neglect everything by the end of that week, or... Maybe the month, whatever it is. Now, if your goal is to go on a diet, consider that cutting the fat could also mean decluttering the rooms in your home.
2: I like that.
3: Crowded spaces are hard to work in. They're hard to clean and can take away too much of your daily energy. But if you do this, if you get organized, if you get rid of some stuff, you can definitely move on to more productive projects. So I like this. Losing weight by throwing stuff out.
2: Think about all the calories you burn doing that organizing Yes,
3: too. definitely. <laughs>
2: All right, speaking of calories, eating better, also another good resolution. And one way to increase your chances of sticking to that new regimen of healthier eating is to give your kitchen a makeover that will make it a welcoming, pleasant place. But if you're thinking kitchen improvements are expensive, well, consider inexpensive kitchen makeovers, including many that are very easy do-it-yourself projects. We're talking about new paint, lighting, or floor covering. It can make a big difference on a very small budget.
3: Now, if you're worried that these New Year's resolutions for your home might not last to the end of the month, don't set yourself up for failure. You can plan these improvements in small stages, especially if you're doing them by yourself. If you break up a bigger job into smaller parts, every time you tackle something and achieve it, you are going to feel so accomplished along the way at a variety of points, and then you won't be overwhelmed. You're not going to give up on that project. It's definitely the enthusiasm of accomplishing these tasks that help you move forward with the rest. So definitely break them up into smaller bits so you can keep giving yourself that boy and get on to the next one. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy.
2: Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U dot com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money PIT. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's
4: next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
3: All right, now I've got Ralph on the line. Ralph, what's going on at your money pit?
1: I have uh, several cracks appearing at the corners of doorways. Um, they're uh, diagonal from the doorway up towards uh, the ceiling. There's even one in an archway. It's a squared archway that could have had a door in it but didn't. Uh, And I'm wondering, uh, A, what's probably causing that? Uh, The house is about 32 years old. It's drywall. And uh, could it be fixed with just fiberglass tape and
2: spackle? Yeah, so first of all, Ralph, it's pretty typical to have that kind of crack. If you think about the wall structure, wherever you have essentially a hole in the wall, which would be for a door or an archway or or even a window that's on an exterior wall, you tend to get more movement of the wall around those openings because it's a little bit bigger. It's a little bit weaker. It's kind of almost like, think of it as a hinge as the wall, as the house expands and contracts, it's going to open up in those spaces. To have cracks, therefore, in those corners is not uh, anything necessarily by itself to worry about. Now, how do you fix this and how do you stop it from showing back up again? And you mentioned fiberglass tape and that is in fact the best way we've found to make that repair because if you just spackle it, obviously that crack's going to form once again because the spackle is not really doing anything. Uh, it's not going to expand and contract with it. It's just going to you know, fall right out. So the best thing to do is to put the fiberglass tape on and then do two or three coats of new spackle above that tape. The tape tends to bridge that crack and keep that wall from opening up in those corners again. So I would do that. And remember, before you put on your tape, I'd like you to lightly sand that to make sure we don't have any dirt or grease on it. We want to get good adhesion. And that fiberglass tape is tacky, so you don't even have to, you know, worry about spackling it in place. It'll just stay there. But then when you put those layers of spackle on, go thin, fight the the temptation to put a lot on thinking you'll get the job done quicker. put thin thin layers on there, stand in between, and when you're done, prime it and then paint it and use a good quality flat ceiling paint and I think it'll stand up quite well. you know maybe one or two more will open up over the time, but for the most part, I think you'll uh, you'll close them nicely
1: right, understand it. it's a stress riser. it just happened to occur at that uh point due to the movement of a of an aging house
2: uh, yeah. Well, you know, how, we all have stress risers. I have three of them. They're called my children.
1: <laughs> I gave you the straight line. Hey, how, <laughs> deep, how deep do I have to uh, go down into the drywall? Because I figured, you know, a V-cut following the crack.
2: Uh, Not the necessary. Spackle. I would just take out any, if there's any loose spackle or drywall on the edge. You don't have to open it up as if you're repairing concrete here. You could just go right on top of it.
1: Okay, I don't want a lump there. But do it thin and feather it it's, in You're going to
2: have a little, listen, you're going to have a little bit of a lump. You you can't, you can't avoid that. But that's why I told you to use flat wall paint, because if you use flat paint and if you prime the area first, it will blend in nicely. and It'll be really hard to detect that you have, uh, you know, a bit more of a rise there because of the spackle. Excellent.
3: Jeannie in Ohio's on the line with a crud question. What is going on at your money pit? My
4: friend, um, I'm afraid that her it seems like her apartment may be making her sick.
2: Well, what are you seeing?
4: She has central air. She has COPD two weeks after they change the filter, if they get around to it. Um, they're dirty again, and she's been, like, vacuuming them off and wiping around them with bleach water and stuff like that. And she said out of the vents also, there's, like, a brown something or the other. that She doesn't know what it is, and I don't I don't know. She doesn't know if it might be
2: mold. She has an apartment or she has a house? What what kind of a place is it?
4: Um, One-bedroom apartment. She lives with her son. She's in her late 50s and he's in his early 30s.
2: Right, and it's a forced air heating and cooling system, so it's gas-fired or what? Yes. Okay. So, I mean, obviously, um, the landlord needs to address this, and what I would tell you to do first would be to... Have somebody look at the duct system and, and really look at the apartment for sources of mold. The problem is that landlords aren't motivated to find mold because that means they've got to fix it up. But a, a good mold inspector could detect it. It's hard to figure out what's coming out of these ducts. And certainly the filter needs to be changed on a regular basis. And if you have a better quality filter, this filter comes with a wide range of qualities. But if you have a good quality filter, that's going to do a pretty good job of trapping most of this. But you shouldn't be seeing a constant source of substance coming out of those ducts unless you know they're dirty and need to be cleaned. So that's kind of one thing that comes to mind. You say that the house might be making her sick. Does she get better when she leaves the place or does she just not leave it? Is she there all the time?
4: It seems, well, she's been in the hospital a couple of times with bronchitis and and other kinds of stuff that are breathing um i think i told you she has C- CLPB.
2: well obviously there could be a lot of things that are causing um her distress but i think eliminating the apartment is one of them would at least make her feel better i would have it inspected thoroughly by perhaps a home inspector or a mold professional to look for signs of it because there are a lot of different places in a house where air quality can be impacted. You know, carpets can hide dust mites and allergens and, um, <clears throat> you know, different types of molds can form under appliances. There's just a lot of places. And so if you really suspect that there could be something of the mold nature going on there, I would have it inspected by a pro and figure out, um, you know, what's there. Yeah,
4: she saw, she talked about like an air purifier But I said, if your system is dirty... I'm afraid it would fight each other.
2: Yeah, listen, you don't want to go. You don't want to go that way. You don't want to add more filtration to this. I want you to inspect and determine if there's a problem that exists. Then you can talk about the best way to clean it. So don't you know? Keep throwing money out of this. Get the information. Figure out what's going on, or maybe not going on, and then you can put your mind to rest. Yes, having a good quality filter in your HVAC uh, system is important. Uh, there's a website, by the way, called FilterEasy.com that I like because you can. Uh, sign up for a subscription service for filters. They end up being less expensive than uh, than they are uh, in the store. And you just sign up once and then they'll send you a new filter like on whatever frequency you need probably every about three months. And when it shows up, you just pop it in. So it'll always be clean. You mentioned that she was always vacuuming. You know, if you don't have a HEPA vacuum, one that is a high efficiency vacuum, you could be redistributing that dust to the air. So there's just a lot of ways that the air could be con- contaminated. And you really need to look at this holistically, not just at one duct at a time. Does that make sense? Yeah.
4: The filter, filter what, dot com.
2: Filt- FilterEasy.com, filtereasy.com. Yeah, check it out. It's a great way to make sure your filters are always replaced when they should be.
4: Thank you so much.
2: Good luck, Jeannie. Thanks so much for calling us at eight eighty eight MoneyPit. Well, from cooking to fireplaces to space heaters, winter, it turns out, is the time of year when fire is most likely to break out in your
3: home. Now, prevention is, of course, your first priority. But if a blaze does break out in your space, you want to be sure that you have insurance that you need to cover those belongings that could be damaged or ruined.
2: Now, if you own your home, most homeowners' policies cover this. But if you rent your home, there's also a good chance your belongings are not covered by your landlord's insurance policy, which is why renters need to have their own tenant contents insurance.
3: Yeah. Now, the great thing about contents insurance is that it covers more than just fire damage. Now, most policies are going to protect your possessions against 16 different causes, and they range from the usual suspects like fire and theft and, you know, even the unlikely catastrophes like explosions or damages from an aircraft. But it covers all of those things. And I can remember my parents even having me get this for my dorm room in college.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean it's about ten bucks a month. It's a small price to pay. And we had the same kind of conversation with our kids when they were in college. They're like, Why do we need that? I'm like, Well, let's think about all the things in your dorm room that you haven't paid for, but we have. <laughs> your computer. How much did that Mac cost? The iPad. The phone. The books. The clothes. It doesn't take much to add up to a heck of a lot of money. So spending hundred bucks to hundred and fifty bucks a year on content insurance makes a real difference.
3: Jeff and Georgia, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today?
2: So, what we've got, we just purchased a home recently and in the inspection we
0: noticed that the tar paper that covers or there is there is tar paper that covers the ridge vent and of course that should be removed under normal installation. Yeah. And I'm wondering <laughs> if I can utilize that throughout the winter to build heat and preserve heat in the attic to maybe help warm the living space and then remove that in the spring once the warm weather comes back.
2: Depends on whether or not you want your insulation to work well or not, Jeff, because the ridge vent is designed to help vent moisture out of that attic space and make the insulation more effective. So it's designed in a perfectly insulated home. The insulation layer is at that ceiling level, right? And above that, it should be ambient. In other words, the attic should be the same temperature as the outside. So your attic is not designed to hold heat in. Not this type of installation. There's another type that is, but this particular type is not. So I would recommend that you grab a utility knife. And can you reach that, um, the underside of the ridge from the attic? I can.
0: Uh, It really wouldn't be a big task at all to get it removed. It was actually when I was about to, to address that. I thought, wait a second, I might be able to utilize this heat over the winter.
2: Yeah, you have other vents in the roof as well. I mean, you may have gable vents or soffit vents, so you're not really changing the dynamic of the ventilation in the attic. But no, I would recommend that you cut that tar paper out. That's actually, (laughs) shockingly, not that uncommon. What happens is the roofers put tar paper across the entire roof, put the shingles up, and then the guy, the last guy that that puts that ridge vent on top of that ridge is supposed to cut out the tar paper. But if he was... uh, if he didn't go to ridge vent class that day, he missed that step. <laughs> and he leaves the tar, tar paper in place, and then, of course, it blocks the vent, and then it just doesn't work. So the reason I said it impacts your insulation is because the insulation, if it gets damp, it's not effective. So fresh air should be pushing in the soffit vents underneath the roof sheathing and out the ridge. That keeps everything nice and dry. So go ahead and cut that out, and uh, that's the way you should be all winter long and, and thereafter. Perfect. I appreciate the help. I appreciate the advice. All right. Good luck, Jeff. Thanks so much for Calling us at 888 Money Pit. Good questions from Jeff in Georgia.
3: Well, if you've got a sticking door, it can go one of two ways. You can either just put up with it, letting that little annoyance build up over time, or you can resolve to fix it once and for all. We're kind of advocates of that second option. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> fixing it. So here's what you need to know. First, it
2: helps to understand why the door actually sticks. Now, most doors are made of wood. So the best way to understand the sticking door problem is to think of it as a sponge. When the sponge is dry, it's small, it's compact, it's hard. But when it gets moist, that sponge swells up to its full size, but it becomes slightly softer. And that is exactly what's happening to your door. It swells and it dries out. Either extreme can cause the door to stick. In fact, I know some people where one spot sticks in the winter and another one sticks in the summer. At least you know what season it is, I guess.
3: (laughs) Ah, it's bathroom door season. (laughs) Now, to fix that sticking door, your first task is to figure out exactly where that door is sticking. You can discover this by slowly opening and closing that door and just make a note of where it is in relation to the frame when it starts to stick. If you want a visual guide, you can use a piece of chalk or lipstick to cover the door where it seems to stick. And then you can open and close that door a couple of times and that chalk or lipstick, something that's removable but it's going to leave a mark on the opposite side, um, it's going to transfer then to the exact point where that sticking is happening, where the door touches the jam. Then you wipe it off without a trace and you know exactly where to work.
2: Now, there's two methods to actually get the fix done, which we will call easy and hard. (laughs) First, tighten the hinges. If the door opens on the right and sticks towards the top, the most likely culprit may be the opposite hinge on the left. And by tightening that hinge or replacing just one or two of its screws with longer ones that are, will go through the jam and into the framing area, it can pull that door over just enough to free up the sticking area. Now, the other option is a little harder, and that is to sand down the door where it's sticking. So you know, when Leslie just talked about you know, looking for that transfer mark, whether it's chalk or lipstick or whatever you used Wherever that mark ends up, that's where you're going to sand. Take a rough piece of sandpaper, sand it down firmly against that section of the door that's been sticking, and then repeat the process until the door no longer sticks in the frame. But try not to overdo it. You want to make sure that you sand enough so that when you repaint that area... Uh, you know, you still be able to close the door easily, but don't overdo it. So just enough, but not too much. And once that door fits well, you can use some progressively finer sandpaper. Go ahead and smooth out those rough edges, and you will be good to go, ready to paint, and no more sticking door in any
3: season. Catherine in Delaware, you've got the money pit. How can we help you today? Uh, My bathroom was
0: painted years ago with oil-based paint. And when the fellas tried to put the new paint on, it's just washable uh, Grid and paint, scrubbable and washable, and uh, it started to bubble. So th- they stopped, and, and they're going to come back next week and do another
3: coat of this
2: washable <laughs> paint. See, when the paint doesn't stick, okay, and it starts to peel off.
3: Let's just add some more paint.
2: What do you do? Put more on top of it, right? It's just silly. Now, you want to stop them from doing that. Here's what has to happen you've got to pull off all the paint they put on already, and if it's peeling, that may not be a big deal. Then you have to clean the walls. You want to use trisodium phosphate, TSP, as a powder. You mix it up. You'll find it in a hardware store. And here's the most important step, Catherine, and that is you've got to prime these walls. And you want to use a good quality primer. You want to use one that is an oil-based primer, as a matter of fact, an alkali-based primer, like uh, Kills, for example. That will stick to the old finish and then once it dries, you will be able to put a latex paint over that and you'll have really good adhesion. Right now, they're they're trying to paint Teflon, so to speak, all right? And you've not that prepped that surface properly to make that new paint stick.
0: Oh good. Okay. Thank you so much.
2: Thanks so much for calling us at eight eighty eight Money Pit. If you've got a question, a good way to get those questions to us is to post them on moneypit.com or on our social media sites. And that's what John from Pennsylvania did. I think he came in on Facebook.
3: That's right. John wrote in. He says, is there a way to keep snow from forming at the edge of my roof and collapsing the gutters?
2: Yeah. I mean, sure. They're called snow guards. (laughs) A couple of things to, to keep in mind. So first of all, if you've got snow that's forming on the edge of your roof, you probably are like one step away from having an ice dam which is when the snow above that melts and gets stuck behind that big block of ice and can leak. So be aware of that. Secondly, if you want to slow it down so that they don't really put pressure on your gutters themselves, put in snow guards, which are kind of like... Um, metal brackets, I guess, would be a good way to describe it. They go under the shingles and stick up on the roof. You'll very often see them, certainly when you have a metal roof or when you have a very steep pitched roof like up in the northern parts of the country. But snow guards are designed to do that. They'll, they'll hold the snow back. They'll prevent it from falling off like in mass because it's darn heavy and hurt somebody that's below it. And it will definitely stop it from forming in your gutter and tearing the gutter off at the same time. So if roof snows, what you're up against, snow guards is what you need.
3: All right. Now, as long as we're talking gutters, Ben in New Hampshire wrote in saying, I paid a lot of money for copper gutters. It performs perfectly, but it's turned a dirty green color. Is there a way to remedy this? That's patina, and it's gorgeous.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's what you paid for. That's right. That's called patina. (laughs) And we charge extra for that.
3: Yeah, I mean, the Statue of Liberty would be shiny like a penny, but she patinaed.
2: How do you buy copper gutters and not know that's going to happen or not want that? I I don't get it.
3: (laughs) Well, I mean, if you really have your heart set, lemon and salt does the trick, but that's going to be a lot of work.
2: You're going to need a lot of lemons.
3: (laughs) And a big ladder and a lot of salt.
2: Yeah, but at least it's natural. Well, as you guys know, there may be some surprisingly common household poisons that are lurking behind your kitchen cabinet and pantry doors or maybe in the garage. Leslie's going to have some tips to help make sure that they're stored properly in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie, take it away.
3: Yeah, you know, every 15 seconds in the United States, a poison control center gets a frantic call about an accidental poisoning. A whopping 90% of accidental poisonings do occur in your home. So here are a few ways that you can stay safe. First, most adult poisonings are a result of mixing chemicals that just should never be combined. You never want to mix cleaning chemicals and always read the labels about potential deadly combination of products. Now, more than half of all home poisonings happen to children under the age of six. got to remember that those kiddos are fast and they are wily, so don't just keep an eye on them. Just keep the poisons out of reach and locked up. It's also super important to discard old prescription medicines promptly. Don't flush them down the toilet, because then they're just going to wind up in the water supply. Now, let's talk about your garage, the basement, the shed, I mean, these are weird places. They're where you have toys and fun stuff for the yard with, you know, hazardous chemicals. It's super strange. So keeping those things right next to each other, it just doesn't work. So don't do it. Keep those things separate. Keep them locked up. Keep your kids safe. Definitely avoid the temptation of those curious little guys and girls. So definitely just keep them apart, and you will find that you have a much safer home and definitely less opportunities for these things to happen.
2: This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Coming up next time on the program, have you ever woken up with a dry, parched throat? Well, if so, you might know a little bit about the value of having a humidifier in your home. But with so many types of humidifiers out there, you got some to- indoors you got some for built-ins you got some that have drums you have some that drip you have some that hiss well we're going to sort through those and share tips to help you pick the perfect humidifier for your home on the very next edition of the money pit i'm tom kreitler
3: and i'm leslie segretti
2: remember you can do it
3: yourself but you don't have to do it alone
4: in the body